one of the challenges, you know, right away is accommodating new fuels. And, and so the storage of these fuels uh, requires different um, arrangements and, and different uh, precautions for, uh, you know, for the design of the vessel. Welcome to the Bridgewatch Podcast, bringing you up to speed on all things innovation in the shipbuilding and marine industry. My name is William and my job is to provide shipbuilders with innovative tools to increase their productivity. My name is Winston. I'm the co-host along with William and I've been in the marine industry for 26 years, teach naval architecture at the Marine Institute in St. John's, Newfoundland. And I do marine consulting work, helping companies build better ships faster. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. This episode of Bridgewatch is brought to you by Enelf Marine, providing shipbuilding software and expert advice to enhance your value stream. Whether you're a shipbuilder, ship owner, or designer, give your team a competitive advantage. Visit enelfmarine.com and let us help you build better ships faster. All right, so um, welcome to today's episode of the Bridge Watch Podcast. Today we have a guest with us, um, the president and founder of Capilano Maritime, a company in, uh, in BC, Vancouver, BC, North Vancouver. Um, and I will uh, let uh, welcome Chris Mulder in and uh, leave him to uh, introduce himself. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Will and Winston. Uh, uh, this is a pleasure to be on your uh, broadcast. And uh, my name's Chris Mulder. I'm a naval architect and the uh, founder and owner of uh, Capilano Maritime. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer uh, as my first degree and a naval architect uh, as my uh, master's degree. I'm educated in, uh, at UBC and uh, Newcastle in England. Uh, I've been in the business since uh, 1988, um, and it's been uh, a, a great career so far. Lots of, lots of interesting work, and uh, the, the greatest thing, there's never two jobs the same. No, that, that is absolutely the case. So you, you weren't, I mean, Capilano hasn't been around since 88, has it, or, or has it? No, it hasn't. Uh, no, I worked, uh, I had many different uh, jobs in between. I, I started off um, uh, work, after I left uh, Newcastle in England. I worked in the offshore oil and gas industry for four years in the UK and as well as in uh, the Netherlands. And, uh, but then I left there in 94 and started off with Robert Allen Limited for 13 years and then I, I founded uh, Capilano Maritime in 2007 oh. with my partner Mark Mulligan. Excellent yeah so so you lived and worked in Europe for a while and then came back to Canada and yeah I mean Robert Allen is obviously a, a great place to work in Canada yeah for sure yeah. Oh yes yeah no I had a Great time there, great memories, and still have good friends uh, at Robert Allen. 
Excellent. And so can you tell uh, our listeners what exactly it is that uh, Capilano Maritime does? Uh, we're naval architects and marine engineers. We're mm-hmm. a consulting firm. Uh, so we just do uh, design engineering. And we specialize in workboats of all sorts, uh, from tugs, barges, crew boats, small ferries, dinner cruise vessels, um, and other, uh, we, we have some large ves- larger vessels uh, in our portfolio as well. We're working on uh, uh, compressed gas carriers, which include uh, uh, compressed natural gas and compressed hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And these are very large ships, 200 to 300 meters. Wow. Wow. And is your, do you do most of your work in Canada or are you North America or is it more international type work or all over the place or? Uh, The majority of our work is in Canada. We're a, I guess at this point, we're a mid-sized naval architecture company in Mm -hmm. Canada. Uh, So we, we tend to specialize in Canada, but that being said, we've uh, got a number of contracts in uh, the U.S. Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, as well as um, some of our clients are overseas, in Australia, uh, UK, etc. Ah, terrific! Thanks for that introduction, and uh, let's uh, dig in into the deep of the subject. Actually, we brought you in because of uh, some of your knowledge and some of the work that you're uh, doing here in Canada. Um, so first. IMO has set some ambitious goals for GHG emission reduction. Uh, everyone's talking about it in a bunch of conference. Uh, I've attended to uh, the SNAMI Maritime Convention a few weeks ago. Uh, they were talking about it a lot. Uh, Maritech, I know, in April, that was a big subject. Yeah. So, and often this fall to engine manufacturers to improve engine uh, emissions. So, that can only get us so far we think um, what place do you think design agency plays uh, on this pathway to GHG reduction well it's uh, an interesting question well uh, definitely the world is in a transition away from fossil fuels uh, that seems clear uh, the uh, like you said all the conferences that I've attended over the last two years it's almost all that we talk about Every yep. every presentation, whether it's about greenhouse gases or not, uh, ends up talking about new technologies for reducing emissions, and so it's it's clearly in the forefront of everyone's mind. Now, I I, I don't think this transition will happen overnight, and you know it's most likely going to stretch out over fifty years, as we yeah. know from history uh, when we transitioned from. Uh, sale and from uh, coal and oil, uh, so it's it's uh, it'll be a, it'll be a while. But it's uh, I think there's a great challenge for naval architects and marine engineers at this point to develop uh, designs to accommodate the new fuels as well as uh, fuel saving technologies. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not uh, like I've heard. Um, there's some of these new fuels that will be able to run into existing engines, um, but 
most of them will need to have either some changes or they will need to change the whole uh, the whole engines uh, from start from a new engine to put in the ship. Uh, so that's very interesting to um, to see what place will uh, design agencies and um, and uh, yeah, engine manufacturers can play in that yeah, on the bet. design side of things. I, I like to I like how you said you know that that 50 year window too because actually I was, I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter about this this morning and I was I was saying that you know in terms of you know getting to net neutral net carbon neutral is going to take us decades and she's like dad why is this taking so long and and she, you know and I explained to her that like an asset a new ship lasts for 30 40 years you know and so you know 25 at the at the earliest so the the, the vessels that we're making now are still going to be in operation in you know 2050 and 2055 and so it's going to take us a while to kind of work our way through with the regulation changes and everything for these new ships to be compliant with the new the new regulations right so one of the things that that Will and I talk about uh, quite a bit is um you know uh, <laughs> artificial intelligence and and how we're collecting all of this data and and stuff in order to try and improve hull form design and so in terms of thinking about i mean what's interesting i think about your background is you're a mechanical engineer and a naval architect and i know that there there's a lot of relationship there between the two disciplines but at the same time you have this uh, you know imo has really been picking on the engine picking on the engine manufacturers to get the emissions down but what what can we do as naval architects I mean, is it, you know, is it hull optimization or is it root optimization or is it just a combination of all these things that are going to help us get, the, you know, the numbers down, the, G, the greenhouse gas numbers down? Uh, well, I guess the, the, one of the challenges, you know, right away is accommodating new fuels. And, and so the storage of these fuels uh, requires different um, arrangements and different uh, precautions for uh, you know, for the design of the vessel uh, so you, you, uh, you know especially we're working on hydrogen uh, which, which most definitely has uh, unique requirements uh, but the same goes for some of the transition fuels like LNG which also require uh, you know you need cryogenic tanks and um, double walled pipe and You have different hazardous zones within the ship, so all of those things play into the design of the vessel. Yeah, true. Yeah, are you? Do you think that like it's the actual? Um, is what's our biggest challenge, or what's IMO's biggest challenge? Is it is it the, you know, is it the fuels? Is it you know new design? We, you know, what what are the challenges here? Do you think? I mean, you you already mentioned some, like the, the storage of some of these fuels is obviously a pretty big challenge. Yeah, I think it's coming up with the new regulations to accommodate uh, uh, the alternative fuels, and as well as power storage systems, mm-hmm. whether that's a, a battery bank um, or some other form of, uh, of uh, energy storage. Uh, so it th- those are the greatest challenges because it's you know, there's there's new risks introduced with with new types right. of fuels and new types of storage systems. So 
we need to um, learn and understand those risks and how to mitigate them. Uh, you, you mentioned batteries. Do you, do you think we'll ever get to the place where we have fully electric? Mm, well, I mean, ships all, you know, all have different missions. Obviously some ships are coastal and they just go from A to B like a, a ferry, for example, but I mean, ocean crossers, do you think we'll ever be at the point where, can you see that where we'll have fully electric or are we always going to be relying on fuels of some sort? Do you think? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, the um, uh, ocean going, deep sea ocean going vessels uh, d- definitely require an incredibly long range. And it's hard to do that with uh, today's batteries, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there are, they, they will be reliant on, I, I feel they'll be reliant on fuels of some sort for a long time. Now, they, they're talking about uh, you know, new fuels, uh, introducing new fuels already. I mean, many of them have converted to LNG um, and are looking at uh, ammonia and uh, methanol, um, which, which have challenges and uh, disadvantages as well. So, um, but I, yes, I think largely uh, big ships will be uh, running on fuel for a long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, uh, I've after going at few conferences, I saw that um, electric ships. Um, it makes sense, for example, in some province here in Canada and Canada in general, because how clean we make electricity and because of ferries for example that have small routes then we have a lot of ferries i'm thinking about bc ferries i'm thinking about stq in quebec and in the great lakes in ontario there's a lot of ferries Mm -hmm. there Um, so for us it makes sense to have electric ships Um, but in terms of like having long range and other countries i think that's really where alternative fuels will be the solution yeah yeah i think for coastal craft uh it's a different scenario we we can we can look at uh at electric vessels um whether they're uh, uh, powered by uh, battery storage systems or by um, other uh means of generating electricity. But I think largely most new coastal craft will um, uh, eventually move to electric of some sort. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And of course, we're thinking about the technology as we know it today too, right? I mean, who who knows when cold fusion might be something that we can do you know what i mean or 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 the or the design of nuclear plants is way better than it is now or well and actually i've heard that it's actually quite good now it's just more of a pr problem than a than an actual safety issue with with nuclear and so on but uh, yeah interesting yeah i i so that's interesting like i you know if you think about a hundred years out like i i I guess I've never thought about it that far out before, but I suppose we'll, we'll be using fuel in one form for a while yet, at least with the technology that we have now. Um, 
are there are there regulations in Canada? As are they keeping up with IMO? How 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 is Transport Canada looking at this whole thing? Are they? Uh, I mean, there's I know here in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, we we had a uh, a carbon tax put on our fuel uh, over the summer, and it drove the f- price of fuel up 15 cents a liter. And so we I think at present we're the yeah. we're the high we pay the highest uh, in Canada for fuel. Uh, and and probably rightly so. You know, we're probably only now just beginning to pay for, you know, what we've the damage that we've done. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I I just I, I wonder how uh, how Canada is looking at uh, future ships and uh, what what are your thoughts there? I, I you know Transport Canada I think has done a great job of uh, accommodating new fuels. They've uh, they've really. Uh, addressed uh, LNG when it came in and you know, the last 10 years they've been been working hard at developing new regulations and uh, accommodating uh, vessels running on LNG. I know here on the west coast we've got uh, BC ferries and C-SPAN ferries all running on LNG now and successfully and have developed um, you know great procedures for bunkering and storage and handling the fuel <laughs> and that's that's kind of paving the way for other new fuels so they can start to look at uh, um, ammonia ethanol methanol uh, hydrogen yeah interesting yeah i've heard that the transport canada are also really busy with the whole covid things uh, new requirements uh, i think that's putting a big pressure on the uh, on the sh- ship owners uh, to to make sure that they fit these new regulations so um i hope we can put covid back uh, uh, in the back of our mind and then focused on uh, these new challenges yes i'm sure we we would all love to do that i i <laughs> hopefully i have hope that that will happen soon so because uh, yeah there's there's a lot of things for us to be working on uh you know it would be great to see the Canadian government give even more leadership uh, for this transition to new fuels and new technologies so that uh, we can be uh, leaders in this area. Yeah. Uh, you know, Canada is, is extremely lucky. We've got some of the leading technology companies, so we're well positioned to take advantage of, of this transition to yeah. uh, uh, the new technologies. It would be it would be fantastic to see even more support from uh, federal and provincial governments. Um, you know, I have to acknowledge that uh, it's not easy to uh, transition to new fuels. Uh, it is it is difficult. It is expensive. It, it, there is no motivation for owners to to do that uh, financially. Uh, they they have to do it out of uh, uh, goodwill and and hopefully you know there are yeah, some or, regu- or regulation yeah yeah regulation is yeah, the is the only is the heavy stick. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, uh, you know how uh, if you, uh, and I don't know how long this is going to last for, but uh, if you, I've seen advertised, if you buy an electric car, there's actually, they'll give you a, a small subsidy to, to kind of incentivize you to, to buy an electric car. And so I wonder if, uh, if maybe something like that might, might help industry or help owners maybe ease the transition into more, 
uh, you know, um, uh, GHG, you know, greenhouse gas friendly uh, uh, vessels. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, very, very true. That would be that would be a great way to to incentivize uh, owners to make that transition. I know there's uh, carbon trading, uh, mission trading, but I it's not very mature and is not easy to take advantage of. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just uh, uh, the, the buying and selling of carbon tons. That That's that whole thing, right? You know, to however much you're putting in, you can offset it, you know, if you, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's hard for the user to take advantage of that. The, right. uh, apparently I think it's the producer of the various forms of energy can take advantage of it. It's really challenging for, you know, if uh, a vessel owner wants to convert from diesel to electric, um, it's quite challenging for them to take advantage of trading. Right. Yeah. I I, I should have, uh, I guess, maybe play, paid closer attention to what was going on in the Netherlands over the last couple of weeks in terms of the, the big, uh, you know, uh, climate change summit or whatever they, they called it. Uh, do you know if there was any, uh, any um, impact on maritime you know, IMO or anything like that that came out of that thing? Will, either of you guys? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything specific. Um, yeah. I, I believe it was in Glasgow. And, oh, it was in Glasgow. Yeah. 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 And um, no, I, I haven't really uh, seen the news yet to uh, right. the analysis to figure out if, uh, if anything is affecting our marine world. But in terms of globally... Uh, like the the goal that they the IMO put um, the the GHG strategy to the first goal would be to limit by fifty percent to uh, twenty fifty. Do you think yeah. this is realistic or achievable uh, from your point of view, uh, Chris? Um, it I don't know about international shipping. I, I'm not certain if we can get that get there. Yeah. But I think for domestic uh, coastal shipping coastal uh, vessels that we're involved with that yeah I think the it is realistic I think uh, there are a lot of uh, new vessels that are being built now with uh, uh, you know uh, that are uh, battery powered or uh, hopefully hydrogen fuel cell powered uh, that will uh, change change the way I think it, it's, it's a bit of a cascading effect so that uh, Mm-hmm. As soon as a few start, uh, new vessels start to come, uh, and it'll be it become more expensive not to do that than to to embrace the new technologies. And I guess we need sort of a, a combination of enabling technology plus regulation plus you know new design plus 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 all these things to kind of come together to to make this happen but i, I you know I, I think the imperative is there certainly to uh to to do that thanks for listening if you have any questions or comments you can go to our website slash bridgewatch and uh we have a space there for you to put comments and questions be part of the conversation We'll see you in two weeks to chat more about the exciting news in our industry, to chat more about what 
it's coming in terms of innovation. How can we make our industry better? And like Winston said, share our comments there. And who knows, maybe your subject will be the next topic of our show. Thank you and see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.